Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. Robots Radio presents... You're listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast, the best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons & Dragons. Hello and welcome to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. And I am Mary. And Mary, when we last left off, we were talking about the the greatest of guys, the sweetest of sweethearts. <sighs> we were talking no. about uh, a fella <laughs> who uh, hasn't just killed one god, uh, but has uh, killed uh, has like has a has a multiple god hit list, has multiple true. confirms. Uh, this is a, this is someone who is not above uh you know i mean if he's going to kill a god he's more than willing to kill just about anyone yeah yeah there's no uh doesn't have a lot of boundaries as far as murder goes but as far as he's still a little softy he's still at his at his core he's still a little lovelorn you know softy emo emo Mm, boy that's true it is true it is true you know, so who who amongst us, you know, wasn't at that age who felt like they they would do anything for love, even even killing a god, right? As, I mean, that's that's know, revenge a, for rejection. That's a that's some emo lyrics if we ever heard one. It is. I would do it anything. Is. It's just going to keep going. Even kill a god. <laughs> so, dear listeners, <laughs> uh, if you are joining us once again this week, we are going to continue the lore behind Siric the Mad God. And so before we get started, let's get, let's catch up. So where were catch we up. when we, when we ended the last session? <laughs> so Siric was born in the streets, gets sold into slavery, and then lives in the life of luxury. Then he gets upset because he finds out where he came from. Which um, is, I mean, like, I feel like if, I mean, like, you know, I understand I, being it, mad it, about being maybe lied to. Right. But I mean, it, it turned out as well as it could have. Like, like why are you mad? First of all, sir. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, like I like I like rolled bone. like hit dice on this one. Like, man, like like this ended up as well as it could have. I am so mm-hmm, lucky. Mm-hmm. Nope. I'm going to kill my parents, kill my adoptive parents who saved me from a life uh, that, you know, I slavery. Yeah. Like, you know, something that very much could have gone very badly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So immediately we, we see that Sirik is quick, quick to kill. (laughs) Isn't that an ACDC song? It sounds like, (laughs) I'm quick to kill. I don't know. Like I hate ACDC. <laughs> I'm sorry to everyone out there who was a fan. I all their songs sound the exact same, and I can't stand any of them. Uh, 
quick side it's note. Shoot to kill, one right? of my it's kids shoot to kill. It is That's shoot to kill. <laughs> one of my kids at one point said that Bon Scott sounded like what a chicken would sound like if it could sing. So there you go. If That's... chickens could sing, ACDC. Wow, that's not I, it's wrong. not wrong. It's not right, but it's also not yeah, I don't, wrong. Yeah, I don't, I don't think like it's it. 100% accurate, but it's accurate enough. It's accurate enough. So, but we digress. Quick to murder. Um, he escapes from there. He runs away, goes and does his thing, gets picked up by some slavers. Um, eventually works his way through escapes from slavery. And becomes an adventurer. Um, he spends his life in this unending pursuit of Kelimvor and Midnight and the Tablets of Fate that they are all three seeking at this point. So in this pursuit, he picks up a sword, which I do have to throw a little tiny bit of correction on because I got so excited I might have left out a key part. A little about, tiny. About God's Bane. About God's Bane, yeah. It's just this little bitty thing, tiny little factoid. Um, it is a sentient sword. Um, that a, a living thing living thing. there is a there is a thing in it that requires the blood of others to feed it um little tiny note my deepest apologies so yeah it's just, yeah, it's just not some like cool sword that he's like I it's not a, just a neat sword like this i killed is... a god with it so i'm gonna call it god's bane it's it's a thing that's like feed me blood please feed me blood exactly and he actually was the one who had named it god's bane after using it for murder of a god um <laughs> but this sword the sentience in there um encourages his darker behaviors kind of like yeah no it's fine yeah you know what you know what you are right. They are wrong for treating you that way. And it is like all these whisperings and things that help contribute to his um, Never mental state. Never a good sign. Never a good sign. If a sword's telling you to kill people, maybe, you know, don't. <laughs> maybe like stop using that sword. Stop sure. using the sword, guys. Just stop it. Um. So after, you know, this situation, um, he picks up God's Bane. They continue to pursue Kelimvor Midnight, confronting them. He loses in a fight and tries to flee. Um, but this is after he murders a companion of his, of theirs, which is the person he had stolen the sword from in the first place. He's then followed by Midnight, who gets captured by Ball. So he and his former companions turned enemies are now going to be allies for a brief time in order to save Midnight. During okay. this, they wear down and defeat the um, Avatar of Ball, with Siric being the one to deliver the final blow um, and earning the sword its name, Godsbane. The others decide, okay, well, we're just going to, he's knocked out. We're just going to leave him, let him go do what he's going to do. We're going to go on our way. You know, no harm, no foul. Siric's not going to allow that to happen. Like, of course. Right. So he continues to follow him. They finally meet up atop the Black Tower in Waterdeep, where Siric kills Kelimvor, gravely injures Midnight, and takes the Tablet of Fate, the Tablets of Fate, which they have both of at that point. While that's happening, Miracle's Army of the Dead is descending on Waterdeep, and Siric ascends the Celestial Stairway and meets with Lord Ao. So it's been a small journey so far. It's, yeah, Just it's... a couple little things have happened. 
no big deal, right? No bigs. No bigs. Just a couple of dead gods. NBD, dead some dead gods. It's fine. Meeting so, um, like the over god AO, uh, ascending the celestial stairway, like mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. typical stuff. For just a, normal adventurer, a normal adventurer fodder, you know, right. you've been in the D and D's. Exactly. So, <laughs> on Marpanoth fifteen, which that's the tenth month of the year, equivalent of our October, um, in thirteen fifty eight DR, the year of shadows, Cyric takes on the portfolios of murder, death, and strife as his own. He ascends uh, when he ascended to godhood. All taking great, with it all great things all wonderful things <laughs> all accurate things true um taking with it almost all of bane's power miracles oh sorry worshippers not power but well i digress um bane miracles and balls worshippers all of them are well the majority of them are now seric so he's just instantly gaining some power there after a few months of being a deity, the Dark Prince conspired to kill Liera um, with the assistance of the god Mask. So he then takes on her portfolios of illusion and deception. And the pair are able to keep this a secret from the rest of the Pantheon. So they don't know that she's dead, but Mask and Cyric do. So now he has five that he, five portfolios that he has domain over. Over the next 10 years or so, his visage begins to change. Um, he no longer looks like the man that he was in life, takes on a more appropriate look. His aesthetics got to match the kind of God that he is, you know? So his flesh is stripped away from his fingers, leaving only exposed bones. His face grows gaunt and the skin that is stretching across it is hugging the muscle and bones so tightly that it more resembles a skull than the human that he had been and all of this you know stress on it um is cause his skin tone to like redden um his teeth grow yellow and more crooked and his eyes now resemble only small flames from deep deep within sockets oh yikes oh yeah he's matching his uh inner self i guess now so he goes from looking bird-like as mm-hmm. you as you mentioned mm-hmm. in the first episode, in the first part of the series lore, described as having a hawk-like nose, to being more like Skeletor-like. Yeah, my brain is picturing. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. There's gonna be a couple more references to that later, and I gave myself a giggle while I was writing. I had to take <laughs> a little break because it was the mental image was too much for me. <laughs> so he continues all his shenanigans like he keeps that crap up he's not going to stop now that he's a god he has his faithful scouring the realms to find the mortal soul of kelimvor which is actually being secretly hidden from him by mask but he doesn't know that yet while all of this is occurring he's directed his clergy to scribe a tome this book will be called the serenishad Um, it would magically convert anybody that read it or heard it read aloud to his face. Brainwashing okay. book. I mean, essentially, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It makes you believe something you wouldn't necessarily you know, believe on your own. Yeah, absolutely. So on Marpanoff uh, 30, 1362 DR, the year of maidens, 
Siric orders his patriarch at Zentil Keep to carry out an inquisition against Bane's lingering faithful. Um, this series of murders is bad enough that it earns the title the Bane Death. Those who were forced to convert that didn't get slaughtered um, had to speak directly to the god himself to go explain to Siric why they should be allowed to not worship him. Like, what's your reason that you think you're excused from my faith? That's not how that should work. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, it's not. I'm glad that you see that. That's (laughs) that bodes well for your character. Um, I feel like sane people probably feel this way. Like, yeah, I feel like Siric should be the one like, hey, like he should be the one doing the hard sell. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not not me like, hey, you should not make me do this. Like, okay, why? Why, though? Why? Yeah, but why don't you worship me? Why should you be allowed to not do that? I'm obviously the most powerful thing that's ever happened his arrogance is astonishing to me it's the, the audacity the audacity so how how does this shake out what, what, <laughs> what happens next <laughs> so six years later in the year of the banner Siric attempts to use his own magic to finish creating the Serenishad, but mistra cuts off his access to the weave preventing this from working she's like no no, no, we're not mind controlling everything and everyone. Not happening, bud. Good for her. I know, right? She stood up for herself. I'm proud of her. Um, so during these, this is a, a lot of this happens like simultaneously and during the same time period. So here's of a location where Kelimvor is supposed to be at this time as well. He orders the city to be searched while he goes and he finds this uh, scribe named Rinda, and he hires her personally. She is the daughter of, I'm assuming it's Beavis the Illuminator, but my brain read it in a very specific Beavis's accent. <laughs> Beavis the Illuminator. Uh, maybe Bevis? <laughs> it's probably Bevis. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> Anyway, so he hires this scribe Rinda to write this tome for him. He begins to grow impatient in the fruitless search for Kelimvor and orders one denizen to be killed every hour within his city until Kalimvor is located because he is angry that he is hiding right under his nose. Right under his hawk-like nose. It's a big nose. There's a lot of room. Well, not anymore. It's a skeleton, so... <sighs> so he, be- he... While working on... Hmm. Mm-mm. While working for Siric, uh, Rinda is also working with Mask, Ogma, and Zul Shimbrel um, to craft a second tome, kind of the opposite of the Serenishad. Um, this one is to be titled The True Life of Siric, <laughs> which sounds yeah. like a TV show. Right. Or like, you know, some like, you know, really terrible like paperback you'd find like in the like sit like at the checkout line of the grocery mm-hmm. store. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know exactly which ones you're talking about. <laughs> so it's it's supposed to be used in place of the Serenishad, and it would show his faithful how truly vicious and devious he was. It's like, no, 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 you guys got it all wrong. This is the truth. So during this time, he's Siric is so consumed with the goings-on in the mortal realms that he fails to pay attention to his own denizens in the city of strife which 
kind of kickstarts this growing unrest within the city because he's just not even taking care of his stuff. What um, could possibly be so important, though, that this god who swore to Lord Ao when he ascended that he would only serve him, right? This is this is what he should be doing, but he couldn't possibly because he's just starting a, another inquisition against all the Bane worshippers across the cities of the Moon Sea. Of course. So of his course. well, he's, I mean, you know, of course he is. He's got to kill everybody that doesn't support him. His armed and his well-armed and armored faithful inquisitors start in the Zentil Keep and they kill their way through multiple cities through raven through the raven citadel through yulash through teshwav um Molemaster, and darkhold and this murder spree becomes known as the second bane death this has happened twice now it was after this um success uh that Sirik manages to manipulate the god Ogma into divulging how to perform a ritual that would give him insight into the location of a certain soul he's been hunting for desperately. So he presents these rites to Zeno Mirrormane and forces his faithful to prepare for the performance of this ritual. Then, while he's doing that, while he's got them working on that task, he raises an army of frost giants and dragons from far, which is in the northern Moon Sea region. He orders this army to march on Zentil Keep, planning to show up at the last minute and save the day and be the hero again, which is what he did the last couple times he was in a war. Right. So he grabs the final draft of the Serenishad from Rinda. But before leaving, he reveals to her that he knew about the other book and takes it as well. He then compels Zul Shimbril to read from the Serenishad and to murder the scribe Rinda. What he doesn't know is that Zul is not himself. You see, Mask had taken that form. He uh. then, uh huh, Trixie gods. They're always Trixie. <laughs> Can't trust him. So he fakes Rinda's death does not actually kill her and together they prepare to go out and share the true life of true life of Sirik with all of his faithful sneak out and plan to do what they were going to do anyway however there's a slight complication with mask's divinity you see the Serenishad had done its job when he read it had reduced his power to that of a lesser deity um, the dominion of intrigue passed over to Sirik and left Mask believing that Sirik was the only god that truly existed. Who's the be all end all? Mistra goes to the circle for support in stopping Sirik's abuse of this dark magic. Like, look, he's doing some stuff and it needs to not be. She turns all of his former <laughs> the inquisitors. Stuff that he's doing needs to know getting done it needs to know can he please don't excuse me can you don't please <laughs> so she turns all of his former inquisitors against him and brings a full-scale rebellion about in the city of strife Zul completes his reading of the true life of Sirik in zentil keep 
This incites riots in the streets conveniently as the city is rebelling. As these riots are beginning, this is about the time that the dragon and frost giant army shows up from the north, as they do, breaks through the northern wall, floods the city streets, and that is when the almighty Sirik himself returns to the city, ready to be the great hero, and witnesses his denizens storming the bone castle. It is not even close to what he expected to come into. <laughs> Shows up, that. rooms on fire. <laughs> oh, oh no. So his power is fading because his faithful are just steady, turning away from him. And this is the moment as he's weakening, he's growing weaker and hurting and aching and fading. This is the moment when Mask decides to reveal the truth to him. You see, Mask has been the sentience inside God's bank <gasps> the entire time. What? The sword that Sirik had loved that had encouraged his behavior, had pushed him to become these things and be manipulated, his closest confidant, is in fact the god Mask. He also, at this point, tells Mask, I've had a revelation. It's that you were only meant to rule over one dominion. You are not meant to have this much power. Sirik, not cool with it. I mean... I mean, yeah, like, complete betrayal complete i mean in his in his mind in his eyes in his eyes right which i mean you know masks doing all that stuff to gain for himself to raise in station you know how these gods are Sirik is livid been betrayed he's so angry that he snaps the sword in two which weakens mask significantly right in the midst of all of that chaos who should arrive to lead the denizens storming the bone castle but Kelimvor, the very guy that Sirik has been wanting to see. Kelimvor retrieves the broken blade of God's Bane and runs Sirik through with it. He then takes the god's broken, bleeding body and tosses it to the Burning Men. So the Burning Men are a type of undead that are formed through the profane combination of necromancy and elemental fire. They're known to have an evil intelligence and you guys absolutely need to go look these guys up because they are scary. Um, city, the citizens of the City of Strife bestow Kelimvor with the status of the new god of the dead, giving mm-hmm. most of Sirik's power over to the one person he hated above all others. After his defeat, Prince of Madness reappears on Pandemonium. And this is where he decides he's just going to go ahead, construct his new realm, the Supreme Throne. So, excerpt from The True Life of Sirik. This is uh, the, the memoir. The memoir, yes. <laughs> As for Sirik, now he sits alone in his shattered keep, lost in delusions of grandeur and absolute power leaving his church of Faerun to grow ever more fragmented and weak. Sirik was the first to read the Serenishad. His own lies drove him mad. And it's true. He had gone 
completely insane from reading it. He truly believed himself to be the almighty one, superior to all other gods and rivaling the power of Lord Ao. He true, his own hype. He did. Yeah. I mean, you, narcissists. Yeah. It is absolutely. You say it enough times, you start to believe it yourself. In truth, though, his power had diminished greatly. Now he was only holding three portfolios at this point. Murder, intrigue, and strife. This is how things remained for a while. Um, until in 1369 DR, Year of the Gauntlet. For a brief time, he appeared within a pocket dimension um, that manifests as a part of uh, Ball's divine realm. While he's there, um, Siric talks to Abdel Adrian, who is the only remaining Ball spawn at this point, because there is a situation occurring <laughs> in Faerun called the Ball Spawn Crisis. Anyway, so he's the only one that is still existing right now. He, Sirik shows up and he does this as an attempt to see how big of a threat that this ascending god of murder poses to him in his already weakened state. He says, I have little desire to see yet another godling who might be a possible opponent, if you even have any power worth noting. So, ever cocky, as always. Just doubles down on it at this point. Yeah, he just doubles down on it. What are you going to do? Walk it back? Come on now. It's during, but during this meeting, he's he's aware of his madness, um, and he does actually stay within the boundaries that Lord Ao had decreed, and he doesn't do anything that would interfere with the Ballspawn crisis. Ballspawn crisis sounds absolutely bananas and something it, that it does <laughs> which, which we will need to talk about when we finally talk about ball mm-hmm. god of murder his spawn they probably got some stories maybe yeah a, a tale or two to weave a couple crises but before we jump back into the Cyric lore we're going to jump into the middle of the show so we can thank yes. our patrons talk about some news and talk about some fun homebrew stuff at the dms guild mm-hmm. Welcome to the middle of the show where we do a, a few things, some housekeeping type stuff. We uh, we thank our patrons, of course. We take a look at any recent D&D news. And mm-hmm, there, mm-hmm. then lately there has been, unfortunately, that the best kind. Uh, and then also as well, uh, look at the DMs Guild and see what kind oh, of homebrew yeah. shenanigans we can get into. So first and foremost... Let's thank our patrons. Thank you so much to the folks that are um, subscribed to patreon.com slash DD Lorecast. Mm-hmm. They get anything from uh, sticker packs to free, ad free, uh, early versions of the episode, yep. uh, all the bonus content we do, all the patron plus installments, all the bonus episodes that we do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some well. of our ridiculous banter. Oh yeah, like all this, all the stuff that we, the, all the ridiculous stuff that it, it isn't fit for normal listener <laughs> consumption. <laughs> it's only if if you are guarded by the ward of the Patreon That's that you are able to sustain the psychic damage it inflicts. <laughs> you got a roll con save. <laughs> uh, as well as uh, other cool stuff like uh, Mary or myself will um, play in your in your home yep. campaign at uh, in one session. We'll run a one shot for 
uh, you and friends or you and family members, you and mm-hmm. coworkers, whoever you want to invite. Or just you, if that's that's cool, yeah, too. If, that, if that's what you want to do. Like, I've I've been chomping at the bit to run a, a one-on-one session for sure. I've never considered what I would do doing that because I've just always assumed my entire chaos party would be there every time. Oh, for sure. And there are a bunch of cool stuff, a bunch of cool resources on DMs Guild for solo yes. adventures. Uh, but yeah, if you are interested in uh, in supporting the show in that way, you can go on to patreon.com slash D&D Lorecast. We mm-hmm, have tiers mm-hmm. as low as five bucks. And uh, we're, we've got and we're working toward adding more stuff to the different yes. tiers moving into the into our fourth year of the Lorecast. Very excited about mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. So and- exciting. Yeah, and if you want to support the show in other ways, you can definitely do that by going to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, anywhere you listen to the show and leaving us five-star reviews. Mm-hmm. You can also follow us on all the social medias. We are DND Lorecast pretty much everywhere. Uh, we've we've got that locked down, I I I feel like on the yep. on the IGs and the TikToks and the, and the Twitters and the Twitches and all that. Yep. 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 And of course, you can talk to us on the Robots Radio Network Discord. We have our own channel there. Uh, it's always full of memes and character background uh, assistance. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, we're always willing to talk D and D campaigns. People sharing their art in there and everything. Oh, yeah. it is awesome. Yeah, we love it. Um, it's like it's like a like a clubhouse. You can mm-hmm. stop in and and talk D and D for a little bit. It's it, it's yeah. lovely. Links to all that, of course, are in the show notes. Yep. Um, we alluded to the news uh, the begin- at the top of the middle of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the mm-hmm. OGL, uh, uh, it's the... Backlash? The, yeah, the, the garbage dumpster fire that is this, mm-hmm. um, this rollout of a new OGL is continuing. Uh, Wizards yeah. of the Coast through D&D Beyond have issued an official statement that they, uh, the official statement states that they're rolling back or at least they're they're backpedaling on a, a lot of what the their newest uh gaming mm. license uh set to put into into effect um wasn't the you know it I'm hopeful for it um but I'm not, I'm still you know we're still cautiously hopeful yeah because squinty-eyed hopeful because you know there there were some some things about it that didn't sit well uh mm-hmm. including the fact that you know, they continue to insist that what was leaked was simply a draft and not a finished uh, finished product that was intended right. for, for folks to sign. I mean, it, it came with a contract from what um, from what has been leaked. What we're and, yeah, what we're seeing now is that it came with an additional. Like this is it. And here's the contract to sign to agree to it. And so that if it's a draft, that's not really that's not really how you do things. Uh, you know, and so uh, there is that, and there also um, just some of the verbiage that they use. Like, you know, it seems just a little combative toward the community, like, um, yeah. like almost like how dare you, like, uh, fight fight back against something that is uh, so obviously damaging to the game and to the community at large. Trying to sneak stuff in on a bunch of rules lawyers. And um, actually, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you. <gasps> Like we have spent uh, our entirety of loving this game, um, actually, oh, and so, uh, and so, like again, I, I, I hope that, uh, that this is, that this is made good, that they do, that they make good I on agree. this as much as possible, because I love, I love D and D. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I talk, you know, we talk about the lore behind it, you know, we, we, we talk about it, you know, on record, 
for about an hour a week. Uh, off record, uh, how many hours are in a week? Tw- a lot. Uh, seven times 24, whatever that number is, uh, subtract <laughs> maybe like, you know, uh, six, six hours a day for sleeping. I would rather read about D&D lore than sleep. Because there have been many times that I've stayed up to like two in the morning and then realized like, oh, I have to be up in like four hours. Like, <laughs> like what is going on? I, oh, I, I have a full day of work. An hour and a half later. Okay, now I'm going to bed. Like I have a full day of adulting ahead of me. What am I doing? So I, I you know, I yeah. love, I love the game. Uh, but I, I, and we've stated this before, like we, we can't stand idly by and let third party mm-hmm. creators, the same people that love the game as much as us and mm-hmm. have, you know, and invest their time and energy and resources into making the game even more fun. It's trying to capitalize off of other people's imaginations. And that's just not the point of being a creative. It's just not as a creator. It's not always about the profit you can make from it. Right. And, you know, so some of the, sometimes like you, you create something knowing that um like you know it's it's not going to make a lot of money but no. it's going it's in but in the in the long term the the benefits the the rewards you get from it are yeah. going to be you know are going to greatly outweigh like the short term losses you might any take. potential yeah any potential financial gain is outweighed by the rest of it in like some for, of those for example aspects. like all the goodwill that that D&D has wrought over the past five, 10 oh, years or yeah. so. Uh, that's, that's exactly why, you know, all the, the, the cool stuff that they've been doing, like, you know, sponsoring live plays and, and, mm-hmm. you know, and create and allowing creators to do this sort of thing. Uh, and, and over the past 20 years with the, with the original OGL yep. is exactly why the game is as popular as it is now. Mm-hmm. So that was a massive draw for me as well, is that there's not all of those rules and red tape that goes with it. I don't, want any of that not that i have an objection to compensating somebody for their ideas for their things that they have created or that came from them like yes i will absolutely i don't have a problem with that but it's not going to be at my detriment and it shouldn't be at the detriment of the community right so hopefully they figure out a way that they can um, continue to foster this sort of creativity in this kind of community mm-hmm. that they've cultivated uh, while also uh, being able to, you know, be a corporation and make money like they're like, right. they, like corporations are want to right. do. Um, so again, cautiously hopeful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And speaking of awesome homebrew stuff, I was perusing the DMs guild as I am want to do. And uh, you know, there's, you know, usually I try to find something that sort of, you know, uh, coincides with the topic, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when it comes to like characters like, like Cyric, you know, there isn't a whole lot, you know, there isn't, um, you know, there isn't like a, there are like Cyric adventures more or less. Right. But so I was looking to see what, like, what looked interesting, what's new, what's, what's going on on the DMs guild. And I found something really cool. It's called avoiding death and taxes, Phoenix ashes adventures hmm. to revive fallen players. And this is from uh, Amon or Amon Hansen. And uh, they are also responsible for a series called The God Trials, which you can also, The God Trials Collection, which you can check out. Uh, New adventures are released every week for that. So, uh, 
this is this is interesting to me. This is really cool. It's a, a fun way to um, to add, you know, something. I'll, I'll let the description do do what it's meant to do. So crits happen. Sometimes players die, but sometimes the party immediately seeks to revive them, resulting in a quick stop at the nearest cleric. And this can take the weight out of player death, making it trivial, more of an inconvenience of their coin purse than the story. As such, we have introduced this series, Phoenix Ashes, intended as single session quick adventures to slot in mm-hmm. after players die. Each entry offers a unique and fun challenge the party must overcome in order to revive their friend. So the best part is nobody is sidelined. Get your, quote, dead player involved by giving them temporary control of an NPC or monster stats included for both options so they can Mm -hmm. aid the party throughout their own resurrection. That's versatile enough for any level. This adventure includes appendices that help you scale puzzles, traps, and encounters up or down as needed. Oh, love that. So it's it takes about three hours to complete. So yeah, it's it's one of those like, oh crap, like, you know, one of the party members died. Like, oh, I've got a, you know, I the the cleric in the nearby town, you know, we've got enough coin, you got enough GPs to to revive right. them. Like this sort of like allows something a little more interactive and fun to I like it. Yeah, it's really cool. So it that's a good is... one to have in the holster. Like just just keep that one in the chamber for when you need it. No, yeah, exactly. And it is two ninety five for the PDF. A link to that will be, of course, included in the show notes. Definitely check it out. It's a lot of fun. That is awesome. That being said, let's jump back into our Cyric lore. Let's let's see what's going on. We're going on let's, to Cyric. Let's pop in. After um after Mass kind of put him in his place. Yeah, he did. Welcome back. So when we last left Cyric, what had happened, Mary? I know uh, Mask uh, revealed themselves to be the sentience behind the God's Bane sword, yes. which Cyric was pretty upset about in his he feelings. Yeah, he, his feelings got hurt. Um, he broke him. Um, <laughs> snapped him in two. Snapped him in pieces, yeah. And then um, he was run through um with the sword by his mortal enemy kelimvor um his body was thrown to the burning men and he was sent back to the or sent to the plane of pandemonium it's where he's built his new realm and he goes to visit and kind of size up um the last remaining ball spawn to see if he should be concerned about um remaining the god of murder I guess this is a thing I should continue doing. Should I be worried about this? <laughs> You're not after my job, are you? So over the next couple of years, Sirik abandons his divine responsibilities and, strangely enough, tranquility and peace spread throughout the realm for a bit. All is quiet. Just might be nice for those poor villagers that keep, you know, the extras in the movies that have to keep <laughs> reburning their village. Right. Reburning. Rebuilding, not reburning. <laughs> That's what Cyric would do, is keep reburning. reburning. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The reburning is followed by the rebuilding, followed by the reburning. A re-reburning. This is the fifth time. (laughs) Um, So Bloody hell. Bloody hell. Not you (laughs) again. So by 1371 DR, the year of the unstrung heart, it's clear to even the gods that Cyric is not handling his business. He is not 
doing his job and they're angered. So Tempest, the god of war, is convinced by Mask at this point to accuse Siric of neglecting his faithful and of disrupting the balance. And that's the balance with a capital B, which is all of the universe and the gods keeping things in place. He's brought before the Circle of Twelve and officially charged as innocent by tear by reason of insanity, but still has to do a trial. Right. There's a whole book about that, too. A whole novel. Yes. Yes, I know I want it so bad. I found, I came across it a couple times. I was like, well, that's the next thing on my list to read after the Year of Rogue Dragons. So on the eve of the trial, Sirik commands Malik A. Sami, who has remained loyal this entire time, with recovering the Serenishad from the Candlekeep so that he can read it aloud to the gods at the trial in an attempt to inflict on them the same delusions that he and Mask have. At the beginning of his trial, like very early on, he shifts the attention of the Twelve onto his accusers, alleging that Kelimvor is offering rewards that are far too great when people die, so it's too many benefits for him, and now mortals are no longer fearing death. He's claiming that Mistra didn't allow for good upstanding magic users to die by magical means, controlling it kind of at her whim, not in a fair way. These accusations turn the attention away from his shortcomings as a god. Like, yeah, but like they're doing stuff too. (laughs) It's not just me. Tyr accepts this. And decrees that the charges brought against Siric for his incompetence and for disrupting the balance are also going to be linked to those put forth by Mistra and Kelimbor. So all three of them, once again, all right, y'all are all in this together. Very well. So following this in Eversolt, which is a, uh, it's, it's in the Dragon Coast area, Mistra's new patriarch, Adon, is in the process of process of performing last rites when he is possessed by something that resembles Siric. This drives him completely insane. He absolutely loses what is left of his sanity. This poor guy. Poor Poor Aiden. Poor guy. Poor guy. He's been through some things. What had actually happened, though, was the god Mask, having been so close to Siric for so long, hiding as God's bane, used his knowledge of the god to force Adon to see Mistra through Siric's eyes, so to shift his perspective and let him see the way that Siric sees things. The intention was to, Mask is doing all of this with the intention of seizing his portfolio back from Siric and to put pressure on Mistra to withhold access to the weave from Siric's faithful, trying to cut all of them off because clearly they're up to no good out there, you know, vowing murder and strife. So Malik has been out following orders while that's happening, and he is en route to these until keep. He's dead set on curing Siric's madness, though, and plans to replace the Serenishad with the true life of Siric at the trial. Which is actually some pretty solid loyalty, if you ask me. Like, you're serving this dude and even willing to try to save him from himself, even though he's very notably um, 
batshit crazy, I think, is the technical term. Pardon my language. (laughs) Um, Ferric then manipulates Mistra into attacking Mask in order to keep her distracted while Malik is finishing his quest so that she doesn't know. Nothing's going on over there. Hey, what's that? (laughs) What's over there? No attention to the man behind the curtain. Exactly. So she... She does this, though, and is temporarily detained in Helm's prison for doing so. When Mistra's released from the prison, she goes to visit Kellum Vor in the City of Dead, in the newly built Crystal Sphere. This is his, this is his place. Um, while there, she sees what he's become, how he's changed, and the being before her is a complete stranger. For a long time, Lever had been so pushed by Sirik's schemes and plots to ruin him that Kelimvor eventually just disregards the morality of his subjects and devotes himself solely to his divine duties. The formerly passionate man became emotionless, cold, indifferent, and is no longer the man or the god that Mistra had loved. The gods attended their trial. Each of the accused presented their cases for the Circle of Twelve. Kelimvor, um, shows them that he has a newfound commitment to being neutral and more importantly, remaining a fair judgment or doing fair judgment of the dead completely like not showing favoritism anymore, offering gifts for certain types of folks. Mistra says something very similar. Um, She says that she sees that her mistakes, you know, and that she's no longer going to unfairly use access to the weave as a means to an end for herself. Sirik offers his defense by having Malik read from the Serenishad. Chaos breaks out as some members of the circle are trying to intervene from this happening. Tyr rules and decides that Malik is allowed to continue as he is acting in the place of his god, who has been declared insane. So Malik proceeds to read, but it's from the true life of Sirik. Ah, sneaky, sneaky. Sneaky, sneaky. He pulled the switcheroo. There's so many switcheroos. A lot of switcheroos. This reprogrammed Siric yet again. And even though this process is like absolutely agonizing and terribly painful for the mad god, he endures it. And when it is complete, he's regained his senses. What little of them there was to start with, because <laughs> I'm just going to say not let's exactly it, the most sensible gentleman let's call it what it is yeah. let's call it what it is he's he's crazy um he offers then his true defense from his sound mind um his defense is that even in the depths of his madness when he was consumed completely by his insanity that he was the only one truly worthy to be called the god of strife he told them if I can destroy the love of gods, then I can certainly fill the lives of Faerun's mortals with strife and discord. With all of his plans and schemes, both failed and successful, he had finally stripped Midnight and Kelimvor of their love. He alone was able to destroy it. And with that, the love that had sparked his drive for power, the love that had incited his rage and his jealousy that caused him to abandon friendships and turn them into enemies was now reduced to twin teardrops swirling in a ruby chalice. That's the name of the song. Twin teardrops swirling in a ruby chalice. Yep. That's it. That's the one. No, you right. You right. (laughs) (laughs) Track one. I told you we'd get there. It gets, 
it gets better. That's fantastic. <laughs> so many things like that in here, and I love it. <laughs> Sarek is then found guilty of his crimes, but he is allowed to remain the god of strife. The last vote in his favor was placed by Mistra herself. I mean, that I could understand. Yeah, I could understand Mistra like not wanting him to have any powers at all, but but she had sworn to be fair. Yeah, I mean, so it's like, I mean, if anyone's going to be the god of strife, it's going to be it's your definitely going to be this guy, this freaking guy, the audacity. Right. So with his madness gone, Sirik and Malik get right back to work. They decide to chronicle their time together and attempt to reunite the broken pieces of the Syracist faith. This new tome is the most longest, unreasonably silly emo name. <laughs> it was to be called, it was either to be called an honest and true account and uh, honest and true account and trial of Syric the Mad or how our dark Lord <laughs> saved Faerun again. I love how that, that's like got like, you know, some Doctor Strange love or how I l- learned to stop worrying and love the bomb energy. Mm-hmm. 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 Like it's absolutely it seems it feels so much like uh like something satirical Oscar Wilde would have written. Yes. <laughs> I yes. love it. Yes. It's fantastic. The purpose of this book is to document and glorify Sirik's feats. Um, He even demanded, he went as far as to demand that this book be published before a uh, one of the sects of Ogmanites published their version of the events. See, he had to get his side out first. You got to control the narrative. Yeah, absolutely. Got to control the narrative. So we come next to a prophecy that we have heard a couple times in a few other episodes. Um, this is the prophecy that you feel stated about Mistra, Shar, and Sirik while she was being um, controlled by Zaztown. The White Queen is troubled but won't say why. The Black Queen hates the White and gives the Assassin a black cloak. The Assassin steals upon the White Queen. She can't see him gliding through the shadows. The sword screams. The White Queen falls. Her city falls. This is the prophecy of when Mistra was killed and the spell plague is kicked off. So in the year of Rogue Dragons, 1373 DR, Sirik named Zacian Mens as his new and more capable champion to carry out his will within the realms. After 12 years, Zacian was able to open a pathway to Celestia. This is the seven heavens. It's where the gods um, do, you know, reside. He does this from the brass city. Not where Jessica Biel resides? No, no, I know it. I tried really hard to not make those jokes, and I'm really (laughs) glad that you went there. So one of us has to. One of us has to. I mean, it does look, the whole story has some like 90s teen drama vibes that are like. Like some CW out the wazoo for sure. It really does. And I'm glad I'm not the only person who's feeling that vibe. So in the following years, Isiric makes a new ally of the goddess Shar. Together, they plot and they scheme. We know this story. If mm-hmm. you don't know this story, go listen to the episode on Shar. Together, they 
work toward weakening Mistress power and her influence across the realms and to simultaneously weaken her control of the wheat source of magic throughout the realms. So in the year of Three Streams Blooded, 1385, Cyric's wrath is unleashed on Helm. And his plan this time ends up leaving Helm dead at the hands of Tyr. The following year, the year of Blue Fire, Zacian frees the shadow mystic, Kashata, from her imprisonment on Celestia. Um, might be wondering what that has to do with anything, but Kashata is one of the aspects of the goddess Shar. Okay. So giving her a little bit more of herself back. Shar then manipulates Zacian into helping her in a scheme to overthrow Mistra and replace the weave with the shadow weave, which is her corrupted dark source of magic. Sirak follows Shar to the Hall of Petition, and while Shar is distracting Azuth, who is the um lord of spells it's a lesser deity of magic he's a servant of mistress so while he's distracted Cyric takes his old staff it is with this staff that Cyric murders the goddess mistra goddess of magic that had started as his friend like merely 35 years ago all of this in that time period also blows my mind a little bit because that's a lot and that's not only lot. that like not just like start off as a friend like Cyric like was in love with loved her. Loved her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the woman whose rejection lit that all-consuming jealousy and anger in him and sent him on his quest for revenge. And now she lays dead. Oh, look, man, just write an album like Chris Caraba. Jeez. <laughs> or Adele. Or you, you ain't gotta do all that. You ain't gotta go. Oh boy, like come on. Just Right. Write some songs about it. Write make, some songs. make a lot of money, you know. You want power? Be a bard, my guy, not a murderer. So different strokes for different folks, I guess. I suppose. So at the moment of her death, those bonds holding the weave together fall away, destroying it completely. Also breaking the heart of another of her longtime lovers and confidant friend, Elminster. This kicked off the event. That was felt throughout the multiverse, reshaping the faces of multiple worlds and leaving them broken and in some pretty rough shape. Right. The spell plague. Which, if you want to learn more about that, check out that episode. Yep. That's a thing that we've discussed. <laughs> so he didn't get to just walk away like nothing happened, though. Like, that's not how this works um in order to retaliate against him for what he had wrought and punishment for the murder of mistra tear lathander and Sini trap Cyric in the supreme throne for a thousand years he is now prisoner of his own realm i mean yeah you can't kill a god end up wreaking havoc across the world in ways like untold and you know, unavoidable, mm-hmm. and just walk mm-hmm. away scot free. I'm sorry, but there's got to be rules here. It's there's this is still Faerun, right? Yeah, it's, we're still there are rules that. here. There's rules in Toro. Get it together. So some believe that uh, he had known that that was going to happen and had had a had a key forged and had planned or had planned to one of those two things. Some said one way, some said the other, so that he would be able to escape. But that never came to pass. And he remained locked away with his power waning. 
during this time, Bane is growing in power while he's weakening. Bane's religion is taking the place of Cyrix as it you know, takes over across the land and becomes the state religion of a little town that we, I'm sure none of y'all have heard of, a little place called Thay where some wizard stuff happened. Like some really terrible wizards hanging uh-huh. out. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and because Cyrix is locked away, he's unable to di- like indirectly or exactly. directly interact with his followers, his believers. Right. And right, you know, he's we've very discussed... limited in his reach at this point. Definitely, it would be over a century before Cyrix was seen anywhere in the realms again, and that sighting was merely manifestation. So it was during the second sundering, the year 1486, the year of the Nether Mountain Scrolls, when he appeared before Malik, his, you know, long-term faithful servant, ordering him to prevent Shars Faithful from obtaining a relic called the Eye of Grumsh. She wanted this so that she could bring about the cycle of night on Toral. Now, the cycle of night is the destruction of all of the stars and planets across the cosmos because she wanted everything to be nothing. <laughs> everything is nothing that's a great album title it is that's one of the songs on <laughs> our uh that's on that's our the album closer for sure that's the end of it i like it <laughs> so a little acoustic number i love it oh, i love it those are those bonus tracks right they have the acoustic cover ver- or the acoustic version of at the end of it yeah it's like at the end of the last track but like separated by like mm-hmm. five minutes of silence so you mm-hmm. gotta like fast forward <laughs> Oh, we're doing this on cassette tape. Understood. Well, no, on CD too. On CD too. But it's like, oh, it's yeah. not its own track. Oh, it's that oh, sneaky. Yeah, I right. see what you're saying. I got you. So while Malik is traveling <laughs> through the Shandal Wood with the Chosen of Shar, of Helm, and of Siamorph, who is a demigod of nobles and of nobles' divine right to rule, Cyric manifests from within his prison, like he calls collect. <laughs> <laughs> And appears, this is the part that tickled me. <laughs> so he appears as the visage of a skull in a dead tree and orders, I apologize for my dark sense of humor, and orders Malik to kill his companions at the moment that they finally achieve success in their current mission. But what got me was I kept picturing this skull popping up in a dead tree. And you know there's no facial expressions because there's no skin if it's just a skull and it's just the mouth right. moving like a puppet. Like, hey, boop, <laughs> got you. Like, <laughs> why is this what my brain did? It did it in Skeletor's voice too. So of course. I mean, that's You're I mean, that's not just welcome. Skeletor's voice. That's the voice of a skeleton. <laughs> it has to be. He's just like, oh hey, yeah, you know about those guys that you're traveling with? Like, kill them. Not right now. Wait till they finish what they're doing first then do it okay thanks bye yeah, it's like, like help the help them finish the quest and then and then, and and then, then do the murder them. but just the skull murder. popping up out of a tree and just talking to you just i don't know why that tickled me so much but it did so he does this from his prison and this is where Cyric, the prince of madness god of strife still remains i mean it's a thousand years so mm-hmm So the following, this last little bit, is uh, some rumors and some legends. Um, Some people claim that Ao knew beforehand that Cyric was going to ascend. Um, They claim that he eventually acquired the Ring of Winter, which is what he was seeking in the very first place in Thar when he was immortal, when he was rescued from the uh, Frost Giant's Cave. 
some of the gods even were known to be spreading rumors as well, because you know how they get, um, that he had killed the god Hor, the god of retribution, revenge, and poetic justice, which there's probably a song title in there, and I'm ready for it, so whatever somebody comes up with. Right, right. You know, killing the god of poetic justice, come on. Um, he had claimed a piece of Joaquin's divinity, um, this is a lesser god of wealth and trade. After her disappearance during the time of troubles, people claim he was the reason for the disappearance, and that he had helped to orchestrate Helm's death at the hands of Tyr. Though there is no proof of those rumors, we do know that the bit about Tyr and Helm is absolutely true. Um, after his imprisonment, there were some claims that there were seven keys of black iron that could be used to free him, or sold for 50,000 GP each. Just kind of depends on, uh, you know, where your um, priorities lie, I suppose. Right, right. And finally... I mean, if you have the coin. If you got the coin. Because she has the wares. According to... (laughs) (laughs) Finally, according to the doctrine of the Tormtar Church, Torm is the god of duty, the patron god of paladins. Um, says that Torm would one day sacrifice himself in a battle that was going to happen between the gods, and that this would finally save the realms at last from ever being victims of Cyric's influence again. I wonder exactly what that means. Does that mean he kills Cyric? Does he I somehow like rob him of all of his powers and keep absorb him, him and then yeah. sacrifice himself to take them both out? I don't know. What does that mean? All these it's prophecies and legends. I love it. I guess we'll just have to keep researching lore and finding out. That's, oh, no. Oh, oh no. Terrible. I was going to say, that, 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 that's just what, what we're going to have to do, I guess. I guess. But thank you so much for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast for allowing us to be a part of your life for this short yes, amount of time. Thank you so much. We're going to keep the lore coming, so don't mm-hmm. worry about that. We, uh, we're utterly obsessed with this. We've got uh, the That's next true. few months planned already, um, leading yeah. in, leading into uh, our fourth year of the show, and we're gonna have a bunch of cool and uh, exciting changes going on as well. Mm-hmm. So please stick around with us for that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, thank you guys so much for listening to my uh, mad ramblings of a mad god. I mean, they have you have to be a little bit. You know, There's mad. no way yeah. to discuss him and sound like I'm sane. I accepted that really <laughs> early on in the research process. It's like, well, I'm going to sound just, like I've lost my ever-loving just, mind. Just throw yourself Let's into just it. just go with it. Practice my witch cackle and carry on with life. <laughs> my name is Sergio. And I am Mary. Fare thee well, dear listener. And until we meet again, may all your 20s be natural. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DndLorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at Robots Radio.